Get to the church, blind! Get to the church, blind! Go! Now! I'm Pete Mitchell, and he's Peyton Jones, and you're listening to Hardcore Church Planning, the companion podcast for the Church Planner Podcast and Church Planner Magazine. Each week, we'll bring you interviews from planners who are in the trenches making it happen right now. These active church planners bear it all, share their successes, their failures, and what they'd wish they'd known when they were first starting out. Listen in to discover how God is working in their church plan. Hey, church planner, this is Pete Mitchell. And this is Peyton Jones. And we are here for Hardcore Church Planting. And if you can believe it, we're actually together on this episode of Hardcore Church Planting. Woohoo! That's why the sound is so good. <laughs> it, it feels <laughs> like it's been a few months since we've done a, a Hardcore Church Planting together. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Season yeah, it, season two of Hardcore Church Planting. Yeah, yeah, it does, man. Because uh, I was traveling, and then uh, and then uh, you were you were out making money. I mean, you were doing marketing things, and uh, then we went to Exponential, and uh, I you did really not s- want to get up early. It I was your birthday. Say, yeah, I can't say that I went to Exponential. I was there <laughs> for all of five minutes. Yeah, you made an appearance. You made a cameo at Exponential. I did. I did. And then I got mobbed by people. Oh, Pete, you're my pastor. You're the guy I want to listen to. And I said, that's it. I'm out. Yeah, you're like, I'm out of here. What not? Why don't you tell everyone who our guest is? Because he's probably like, okay, I thought this was about me. And you guys are just talking to yourselves. That's the first mistake every guest makes when they come on this show. Hey, our guest today is a is a friend of mine, a guy I have a huge amount of respect for. He is the director of Frontline Church Planning, and he is also the multiplying pastor at Vanguard Church in Colorado Springs, Colorado. His name is Alan Briggs. Alan, welcome onto the show. Thanks, fellas. Thanks for having me. All right. And you've been on here before, so you should know better, right? Like you should have, you should have run when we, when we approach you and ask you to come on, but you're a friend. So you're doing me a favor. So thanks for coming on. Most of it's bad, bad slapstick humor. And then occasionally, you know, we'll share something about Jesus. So something much useful. I know what to expect. Yeah. yeah. Occasionally. Yeah. We, we always say it's kind of like that t-shirt of Jesus riding a T-Rex where, you know, part of it's kind of like, I don't know what to do with that. But then the other part, you're like, I like Jesus. That's great. Yeah, when in doubt, Jesus. <laughs> we were, I think we're all kind of wondering, where are you going with the Jesus on a T-Rex t-shirt? That, that's kind of like a mental picture. Maybe a, a, a picture's worth a thousand words. You just you put that image up there and you go, that's our show. Yeah. All right. And that'll preach. <laughs> Amen, brother. So, Alan, uh, what we always like to do, even though you've been on the show before, we're always picking up new listeners. And now we, we've lost the new listeners. But for the ones that are sticking around, uh, one of our first questions we always like to ask is, if you could, tell us your story of coming to faith and then how you got involved in church planning. Yeah, so I, I talk a lot about um, the calling that, you know, we, we talk about vocation and calling separately sometimes and, and sometimes together. But, man, it was um, a heart of mine, I would say, uh, since I was a boy, to be able to influence and impact. And I thought I was going to do that through business. and. Um, I'd say just seeing hospitality and generosity modeled in, in ways that we wouldn't call like a pre-missional community, but almost um, a lot of outsiders in my home growing up. I saw that and I saw how 
my dad had actually been able to reach people just through generosity and integrity, living out the gospel in the business world. I thought I was heading toward business. And so it sort of separated calling vocation as missionary and ministry completely separately. Thought it was heading toward business. And then um, as I was in my last year of college, I kneeled on my nasty, nasty carpet of my dorm room floor um, and essentially said, okay, God, if you really want me to go into the local church, um, then I will do that. So I hope not, God, but if you want me to, I will. And um, and so I, I certainly wouldn't say that was my conversion experience, but that's when I really understood calling and vocation a lot better. As I said, we're all missionaries. We're all in ministry. We're all living out the Great Commission. The question is just how and what are the nuances of that? And so after that, God took me um, to Antarctica, and I got to see the brokenness uh, of people running from their life to sort of the adventure lifestyle, spent some time in New Zealand and Kauai after that, and uh, sort of lived out my dream a little bit and saw the deep, deep brokenness of people who are running away from lives and certainly from the gospel. And uh, that would probably be the last piece of vocation coming together for me where God really called me to the lost, uh, to Mm. say there's a lot of lost, um, broken, hurting, jacked up people in this world. who need, really need the healing of Jesus and freedom in their lives. And so that this kind of maybe three parts um, of vocation, calling, coming together, uh, and him solidifying my identity as uh, ministry and missions and a life uh, that, that encompasses both of those. That's awesome, man. Well, you are actually the first person I've ever met who actually has been to Antarctica. So that is crazy, man. I uh, got to preach there and I feel like I uh, got to disciple a lot of guys there, got to do a funeral down there, actually. And God kind of birthed in me the desire to preach on, on all seven continents. And so, um, yeah, just kind of a, a cool a cool place to start and get to, to reach a few people for Jesus down there. Antarctica is one that people always say, you know, I've been to all but Antarctica. So you 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 got the edge, man. You're on it. So, hey, at risk of uh, upsetting our listeners by me screwing around too much because we screw around on our other show. We have a listener who listens to this one but gives our other show two-star reviews. So lest we offend him, I'm going to move on into my next question. So you have a book, and it is called Staying is the New Going. And uh, the, the subtitle is Choosing to Love Where God Places You. What caused you to write this book? Confession of my own story. I tried to escape twice uh, from this city. Colorado Springs kind of has a perspective from the outside of being a Christian evangelical Mecca. Uh, we have several parachurches located here. And um, there's just a different, as is true with most of our communities, there's a different shell then there is a real story from the inside. And so the shell says probably that whole place comes to know Jesus. They're all going to sort of migrate to heaven together and reunite there. And, and that's just not the case at all. There's so many lost people in our city, so many broken and disunified churches. Um, and so kind of seeing that a couple of years ago, my thought was, man, I want to go somewhere sexier. I want to go to a Boulder. I want to go to Seattle or a Portland or an Austin um, somewhere on the left coast, maybe where God could really use me, where there are a lot of lost people and, um, just started to realize, man, uh, look around and right here is opportunity. So that's kind of the becoming, um, you know, turning from, I live in a place and what I would say is paying spiritual rent to actually making it home and paying a spiritual mortgage. 
And um, just to say, we are going to stay, we're going to invest. So the book's about a third confessional and then about a third really practical um, of just here's how you do it. Here's how we've gotten involved in our neighborhood. Here's how we set up church planters to maybe look for the long haul down the line. Uh, and then the, the last piece is just about a third inspiration that says, hey, you can do this. And this is really simple. Um, and so we, we talk a lot about these three areas of relationships that you're already in. Stay in them and stay well, um, whether those people know Jesus or not, whether those people seem like they're towing the line of faith or not. And the second area would be stay and invest in your actual city and that place there. Work for the good of the city, like Jeremiah 29 says, work for its welfare, because in it you will find welfare, the beauty that is in our cities. And the last one is neighborhood. Just really simple. Nothing to do with the fact that I'm a pastor is we are missionaries to our neighborhood. Right. So uh, as as you talk about um, in the book, you know, people often miss their calling and vocation um, because, they, they, you know, we often hear about people missing it because they think they have to be a professional minister. But you hit it from another angle. You kind of hit it that we always think that we need to go forth. And you introduced the term we need to stay forth. Um, talk about that a little bit. When I sit down with a church planter, maybe they're a week into our city. Maybe they've been here a long time and they're just shifting from established church role into planting a church. I say over, you know, about four sips of coffee in, I say, if this church plant doesn't make it, are you going to stay? And I think it's reframing the question at the beginning, not what what does this look like when it succeeds? How many people are you hoping to be running a year from now? But is, are you committed as a person, as a missionary, as a soul, as a player in this whole city and what God's doing here, even more than you are committed as a niche player, as a church planter of a unique church? Do you care about the church in this city more than you care about the church specifically God has called you to launch? And, uh, and that, shifts, that shifts everything. And so I, I think stay forth um, for me, it says that there's adventure to be had. Um, right within the places that we're at. The wildest adventures God has called us on um, have been in our neighborhood. From mm-hmm. Darren, who we spent two years with, and he told me he had a new job in different hours and he couldn't come to coffee as much anymore. And I said, what do you do, man? And he said, I'm the manager of the strip club uh, down south in, in the city. I didn't know what to say. So I just said, right on. You know, you're, just, <laughs> you're, you're, taken, you're taken off guard by these things in normal, a very normal neighborhood, 50 years old, you know, not the crazy uh, and progressive part of my city at all. And so it's those kind of stories of Darren. Say, what does it look like to stay in relationship with him, knowing that he's in this very dark industry and is a player in that industry? What does it look like to stay in relationship with Sue, who's kind of the cranky lady on the block and has been viewed as that? Turns out she's a really sweet gal that wants our neighborhood to prosper. You know, what does it look like to push into relationship with friends of mine who walk in with a six pack while we're praying for friends. And he, you know, pops open a couple beers. He's double fisted it over there. We're laying hands on people and Brent, he just thought it was a dinner party. You know, like these are wild and sometimes awkward adventures, but I don't yeah. think we've caged it that way, man. If we could only go to Africa, if we could only go to Austin where the, you know, the cogs are already churning and just be part of that. And it's just not true. The wildest adventures you can be on, um, as you guys know, are the ones right underneath your nose where you just choose to love somebody and go, I have no idea where this is going to lead. None at all. This could be right. awkward in the meantime. And I don't know if my kids should be around 
this dude who's dropping F-bombs right now. But it's a beautiful chance to see the gospel spun in there. So it really is just, do we trust the sovereignty of God that he's placed mm. us where we are at? And we say that we do. Meanwhile, we dream about other staff positions somewhere else, or we've got our backup plan if God doesn't give us the impact we desire. And um, for me, I'm, a lot of people are resonating. I'm just the one saying it. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, shoot the messenger if you need to. But um, that's, it's been exciting. We're not anti-global missions. We believe that some go. But the reality is most will stay, and most of them feel like crap when they do stay. They say, oh, mm. I guess I'm not really serving God. I guess I'm not really living out this plan for my life because I don't have these ridiculous stories to tell about you know, getting freed from prison and some other place. And what we found is we do have some ridiculous stories and some that don't have resolve to them. I don't know where this is going to go with Darren. I don't know where this is going to go with Sue or with Matt or with all these other people in our neighborhood. Um, and so just the adventure of seeing what God's doing right underneath our nose. And it is, it's a, it's been a wild one. It's been a ride for us. I talk about a lot of those stories in the book. It's awesome, man. And it's so like Jesus, right? When he sits down that, you know, the strip club guy, that's like the tax collector or the prostitute, um, you know, the cranky old lady, you know, that could be the zealot that, that joins his team or the centurion mm-hmm. or whatever, you know, Jesus shows people as he just gets to know them as, you know, they're a multidimensional, they're multifaceted. They're not just one dimensional. Like you said, you know, like Paul says, we no longer look at anyone from a fleshly point of view. There's an old hippie song and I don't endorse this uh, mentality, but (laughs) not in the way it was written, but maybe applying it to mission. And that was, if you can't be with the ones you love, you better love the one you're with. And I think that applies to missions where you know you you're you're living on a street and the people on your street you didn't choose to live next to them like you didn't pick your neighbors you chose the house yeah your neighbors were picked by the sovereignty of god now you're you know if you can't be with the ones you love maybe you want to be surrounded by a bunch of hipsters and have the cool hipster church <laughs> but god says you know what i you're in this neighborhood and these are the neighbors even paul says in 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 athens Hey, God appointed where everybody was going to live. He literally says, you know, what family, what language, what race you were, what God divinely and sovereignly appointed. So there's that sense in which the people around you are your mission field just by proximity. And you yep. you bring up in the book this amazing uh, concept. And I, I the name you call it, you call it the terrible masterpiece of proximity. Um, talk about that. So last week I was visiting Ray in the hospital who almost died and he's not one of our older, older neighbors, but, um, in the next 10 or 15 years, he's probably going to see a lot more health issues. And his wife called me and said, can you please come settle Ray down? I know you're a pastor. We don't want anybody else to come, but we want you to come. And, uh, in that moment I had a lot to do. So to cancel a few meetings and to go and sit with them. And she said, would you come tomorrow for breakfast? You can calm him down like nobody else can. That's part of proximity is you get invited into things you normally wouldn't. And um, to experience that, to experience the joy of our neighbors, if we're sent, say we're sent to, you know, the DRC, the Democratic Republic of Congo and or the Middle East somewhere, you're going to live into those rhythms. You're going to wear the clothes that people wear. You're going to eat the food that the people eat. And so we give up our preferences. If you moved in from somewhere else and you used to do soup nights, but your neighbors hate soup then don't do soup nights. 
do pizza nights or do you know rib nights or whatever. If you live around a bunch of vegans, then you probably need to figure out how to eat quinoa. I mean, that's the reality. What? Yeah, I know. I know. That was pushing the line. Are you still there, Peyton? Did you hang up on me? I'm still here. I know. It's, it's scary. I love meat. It's delicious. But what if my neighbors don't? And what if... In, in that sense, are we willing to lay down? Get new neighbors. Come on, get new neighbors. Let's let's be honest. That okay, that was too much, guys. I pushed over the line. No, Sorry. no, I you was actually a vegetarian me. for like two and a half years when I moved back. So <laughs> <laughs> you wasted away, and then you you realized that you needed to repent and yeah, change your I'm, ways. I'm chunkier and happier now. Good, good. Well, it, it's I mean, literally, what what are we willing to put down as our preferences for those? right next to us and um it's it's been amazing to see just through those little bits of doing that um what god has done we have a lot of older neighbors so we're gonna have a lot of hospital visits here in the next few years but my kids are watching us minister and and to our neighbors who hopefully are gracefully um passing on legacy to their kids and their grandkids as they pass away um and so i would never have chosen a ministry to the dying or the sick (laughs) but that is where God placed us. And because we are not slave to that, but because we are in context to that, that's how we're going to minister. And so um, there's there's a lot of old folks that come to our block parties. We had a classic rock band come and, and play a lot of 80s cover music. And it was amazing to see folks who were in their 70s and 80s uh, who are connecting with the music as well as people in their 30s, just bringing them together. Uh, and so it, it really is. Proximity is a beautiful mess. My next door neighbor right now is in recovery again. He slipped back into deep alcoholism. He's living on the streets. Um, we can't find him right now. It's going to be another month at least until he can get into a place. Um, but we care for, for Lauren, and we can't not care for him. We've done a lot of life. I was discipling him as he headed back into rehab. And, and then there are moments where we watched a gal named Bree come to know Jesus and talk about her in the book. And, um, so I can't predict what's going to happen in proximity. But I can tell you that God's at work because we're close enough to see it. That incarnational idea, uh, as the message translation puts it, the word became flesh and moved into the neighborhood. Uh, And so as we do that, we give up preferences, we give up comfort, and uh, we also let God come into this powerful spot of control in our lives. So, man, it's been beautiful. It's been terrible. It's been amazing. It's been frustrating and everything in between. You know, Alan, let me ask you, you've got your internship program where you're at, how do you train your interns to embody, you know, the message of your, your book and, and what you're talking about here? A lot of it is we invite them into parties. Parties are a huge space. There's power in the party. And obviously we see that in the life of Jesus, but um, I want to invite them into what we're doing naturally. And even just to help them prep tonight, for example, we've got our first meeting when I said to the principal, however you need me, Bill, I am willing to serve. And then he said he needed me to be the head of the school accountability team. And I'm like, oh, really? Do you really need me there? What about like activism or launching another community garden? Or, But we are, you know, we, we've said, hey, we want to be here to serve. And so how do I invite uh, a planter this morning I'm having conversation with into, hey, here's how I'm coming into the meeting and I want you to know how I'm thinking as I head into this meeting where I'm the only believer, yet I'm leading that team. I can't start our time in prayer together yet, at least. And so inviting them into those spaces to just observe, hey, why don't you come and grill for us? And so, 
So instead of training from the outside, it's here's what you're going to do someday. It's inviting them um, onto the grill and saying, hey, you flip some burgers as you watch. Here are the people that God is bringing into our lives. And so really teaching through a lot of experience and immersion has been um, kind of the accidental residency is what we call it. And it's not accidental to us. It's accidental to them. They think they're just stepping into it. And so how do we train in context? You put them in parties. You put them in context. You put them around the lost. You have them bring their kids over and interact with our kids and several other kids who just know it as normal that our house is open all the time or almost all the time. So immersion, immersion and relationship. I like it. I like it. So um, as we're looking at um, church planters, what are some of the things that you would tell a church planter in whatever city he's in, how to uh, really connect with people around him. Like, like one of the things I love about what you lay out is that most people don't give opportunity for people to know them. So we think about other people as kind of projects and we need to reach them. We need them to get to know the church. And you kind of flip that around and say, why don't you let people get to know you? Like it's that mm-hmm. simple. Um, how do you recommend that church planners make that switch? I think it's, Wendell Berry says, kind of like what you're talking about, love the one you're with. Wendell Berry says, uh, to to love your neighbors, not the ones you wish you had, but your actual neighbors. And so, Hmm. um, you know, maybe you're in a space as a church planter where you can um, have some neighborhood ministry. Maybe what you have is not conducive to that. Maybe you're in an in-between situation and, you know, you can't yet buy a home. You can't yet have a long-term presence. I get it. But who are those people that God ends up placing around you? And I call it just orbiting. Who's orbiting around your life and wants a peek in? Who isn't going away? Who's hungry enough to just keep coming back? And um, often we do that. We want to reach, like you said, maybe the hipsters or the creatives or the cutting edge people or the people with really crazy life histories, um, you know, the young or whoever that group is that you feel like is your quote unquote target group. Maybe God has a different target group for you, and maybe they're the people that you're just closest with. And so I think at the end of the day, please consider that God might be trying to change your target group um, based on the area he's already placed you. And I know a lot of areas, the demo studies lie, and a demographic will say that it's a specific way that you get into it, and it won't account for transitional housing, for example. And so you find yourself in a more racially diverse area, and you might be starting ESL classes. And say, that's how I can neighbor really well, because that's lacking right here. And that's a a huge community need. So I think it's a mix between meeting some needs. But as you do, make sure there's sustainable presence. And we say one place once a week. You know where to find me. Instead of, hey, where can I connect with you? I'll see you next Friday. I'll be right here on the curb. We have bus drivers coming in. We have school parents. And again, I'll invite a church planter and a local pastor to just, hey, come on and get to know some of my neighbors and be invited into this circle of friends instead of a strategy. And uh, the other way that I would say, Peyton, is to, uh, instead of having a, a group of two people, uh, two groups on, on either side, one group that's Christian friends, maybe other church planters, pastors in your city who are welcoming you in, who your wife feels more comfortable around and your kids can hang out with, you know, without hearing F-bombs or whatever. And then over here, you have these people that you're quote-unquote working on. You want them to come to know Jesus. And we ask people to take that scary step to bring those two circles together and bring what's called collective overlap. And collective overlap has been a huge, really simple concept for me to say, 
that is not about keeping these two groups of people happy uh, and ministering to them both in unique ways. What if you took the risk to, to create third places and parties and dinner nights and places where they could come together and get to know each other? Those who don't know Jesus can see the beauty of Christian community together and sacrifice and generosity and sincerity and grace and freedom. And then these other folks, our Christian friends can go, wait a minute, we need to reach them as we pray for them. Those are the people that Alan prays for. And I got to meet Jake and I got to meet Matt and I got to meet Camille. I got to meet Lauren and see those are real stories. So uh, we say collective overlap can be just a beautiful, beautiful thing. There's a, a funny, I don't know any, uh, any Brady Bunch fans, Pete, are you in oh, yeah. Bra- old school Brady Bunch? Yeah, hey, man. Marsha was stuff. beautiful when I was a kid. <laughs> All right. I wanted to marry hey. her. Whoa, a little too much there, Peyton. All right, your your wife might be listening. <laughs> she knows, but she I got knows. I got someone better than Marsha. I was saying when I was a kid, when I was a child, I thought like a child, and I became a man, <laughs> and I met Andrea. That a boy, yeah. that a boy. I'm proud of you. But thank you. This when we when we talk about the Brady Bunch, there was this this funny um, conundrum where he's trying to entertain two girls at a time. I believe it was Peter Brady and. He's changing clothes. He goes into one room and then he goes into the other room. You remember that episode? Yep. Classic. And in that <laughs> in that episode, that's what I feel like we do with lost friends and Christian friends. Is, is that, that we're is that like pork chops and applesauce, by the way? Ooh, I don't know. Mm, I don't know. Pork Another chops classic. And All right. <laughs> I don't know. But we're we're putting on different clothes almost and a little bit of a different accent, and we're trying to make this group happy as we're heading over and trying to make this group happy simultaneously. And we have a lot of fears in there. Some of us probably think that maybe our Christian friends or our launch team, uh, our church planting team, maybe will will actually screw things up with that pretty delicate relationship we've been building with the loss. And mm. so um, finding that that resonates with a lot of people who are kind of wanting to go on mission, but they're treating people as a project accidentally. And that's what yeah. I was doing. But instead to say, God, if you're sovereign, I believe you're sovereign in this situation. and that you can bring these two together with a little bit of education and they can actually see ministry happen uh, around us. That's not dependent on us. Yeah. You know, Alan, one other thing uh, you were mentioning, I think it might've actually been before we got on the podcast, you've got your internship where uh, people come out there and train with you. Uh, but you also mentioned you got an online training. What's that like in, in, you know, is that something that others can get involved with or, or anything like that? Yeah, so we we do um, the residency here on the ground, which is, you know, based in this place, very context driven. And uh, and that's how we started. And then we had guys that wanted to come in and um, learn a bit of what we're doing here, maybe make a visit or two to the ground during the year, maybe come out for a conference and then continue the training. And so we call that dwell online learning track because we want them to dwell well where they're at. We don't want them to to come here, spend a year, and then move back to where they're at. We want them to stay in context and minister. And so uh, we started up dwell, honestly, as a reactionary way to, to train church planters. And we have actually a, a denomination who's choiced into that, wants to, us to train some of their um, kind of their key church planters this year. And so we'll actually, in the course of a year, teach that tribe how to lead their people well and then they will continue sort of the 201, the 301 um, from there. And so we, we don't just see it as a place to equip planters. We see it as a place to equip local church pastors, leaders, coaches to continue equipping them in that right direction. And so to sort of give the power back to the people, essentially. 
And um, yeah, we utilize online stuff. Some of the same teaching we're doing here, we export that anywhere where people can get a phone signal. They can get um, some of the best compilings of our training. So uh, awesome. yeah, we're, we're doing that because we feel like God has led us to that spot. We, we didn't set out to be a national organization. We love Colorado. We see the unique um, brokenness and beauty here of our place. Mm-hmm. But uh, dwell's been been really fun, frankly, to to see denominational leaders say, "Could you teach us to long term equip our planters?" And uh, that's music to our ears, man. That, we don't want to just equip the saints. We don't. We want to equip the equippers to equip the saints. Amen, brother. And you know, guys, the book is "Staying Is the New Going," and really, to sum up, it's it's a theology of place, right? You, we don't hear many guys talking about you know the theology of place and mission, so. That's the book. It's unique. It should be on your bookshelf. And Alan is a guy who embodies what he's talking about. He's the kind of guy that probably doesn't have to study to write his book because he's living his book. He's living what he's talking about. So pick that up. Staying is the new going. It's actually the second time we've interviewed Alan because we believe his message is important. And I believe that eventually God Many guys are struggling, and nothing's clicking in their church plant. And a lot of times, church planters—I think all of us go through this journey—but but particularly uh, struggling church planters, they might have a breakthrough moment where suddenly it was like God had to really teach them something. Their priorities were wrong, their focuses were wrong. A lot like the disciples, and they just need God before He causes things to kind of pop or take off. He has to work on them before he uses them to work in the community. And so uh, this will be, I'm sure, uh, part of your journey um, as you kind of get the perspective, the right perspective of place sort in your mind. So, Alan, Pete's got a burning question for you. Alan, uh, this is our our final question. It's the one everyone listens for, and uh, they've probably been wondering where it's been the last few weeks uh, since I haven't been on the podcast, but, but here it is. If you were to get into a physical fist fight with Caesar Kalinowski, who would win? So I would act like I was going to punch him, but I would actually grab his sweet little mustache on mus- one side. Yeah, baby. And he might tip over a little bit. And then that's when I would land the punch for <laughs> Caesar because, and he's probably wearing a scarf. He's in New York City now. So I could yank on the scarf. I mean, he's got just several things hanging off of his face and body that I don't even need to go old school and punch him. I mean, that's so overdone, right? Punching yeah. that's so last year. Yeah. And so I would grab that sweet hipster stash, pull it, and he just wouldn't know what hit him. Does that make sense, Pete? Oh, it does. Tracking? It does. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And you would even evoke tears before you landed the punch. You know, it. the upper lip is a little sensitive. And, right. Uh, and it, like guys, it's, it's not about winning. It's about earning the respect of the opponent. Oh. And immediately I would have Caesar's respect like I never have. I mean, it would it would just change in a minute. And so I could walk away at any point, you know, but when a man's mustache gets pulled and messed up and you know the wax comes off, dude, it's it's done. Yeah. Yeah. The the only thing you'd have to watch out, you know, we pitted you against Caesar because you guys are roughly, you know, you're you're kind of the same size. Like we couldn't put you up against Hugh. That would That's be fair. fair. But but Hugh and him kind of run together now. They ride together. And so it's kind of, you know, you do got to kind of watch out as you're walking away going, yeah. I dominated. You got to look over your shoulder just in case Hugh comes running going, you can't hurt my friend. Yeah, t- totally. I mean, I-, I think I could probably edge Hugh out in a run um, <laughs> because he's he's probably wearing cowboy boots, you know, of, of sorts. So 
I, I would probably do it quickly with Caesar and I would know that he was just waiting in the bushes. I would run as fast as possible. Yeah. Yeah. You could, you could outrun Hugh easily. Yeah. Cause you, you can just see Hugh with a knife. Hugh's got the knife or the machete. I'm just saying that's Wear the way he fights. Cause um, he would probably throw it. <laughs> yeah. That, that's a good place to stop. So, uh, <laughs> Hey, you know, this has been hardcore church planning and we've been talking about some hardcore church planning stuff very fittingly. And uh, with that, our guest has been Alan Briggs. The book is Staying as the New Going. And uh, Arnold, sign us out. Remember, if you are called to church planting, go hardcore or go home. You've been listening to Hardcore Church Planting. Hardcore Church Planting has been brought to you by the Church Planner Podcast and the Church Planner Magazine, which is available in the App Store for both Apple and Android devices. If you like this episode, leave us a positive review. If you didn't like this episode, we'll be happy to give you your money back.